Good morning, everybody. Do you guys like storytelling? Well, I'm, I'm actually going to need a little help this morning. So if I could have my assistant to come up and help, the very talented and compliant Mark Miller. Let's give him a hand. Hey, there's a lot of stuff going on on the platform today, isn't there? These boxes back here are part of the camp props and stuff. Of course, we're having a baptism today. And then we have this stuff up here underneath these uh, blankets here. So, Mark, let's just go ahead and take this stuff off. Humor me a little, okay? So I'm, I'm a little bit of a different person, so you got to get past that. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you into a very personal and very close story of me 17 years ago, okay? This is 2016, so this would have been about 1999. So we're going to party like it's 1999 today, <laughs> okay? So we've got to put on, we've got to get into costume because we're method actors, so that's what we have to do. So bear with us here. <clears throat> Don't mind the grunting. <laughs> if I can get this on. I want to thank Vince Sharp of Shark Electric for loaning us this equipment. For all your electrical needs, you can call Vince Sharp. <laughs> Boy, these harnesses are... Kind of hard to put on. Now, we only had one tool pouch out there, so I'm going to let Mark wear that. It's the tool pouches. I've got my belt on, but they tend to pull my pants down. I don't know about Mark. He's just going to have to deal with it. And no, we're not the village people, okay? <laughs> you about got it, Mark? Yeah. That's pretty constricting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, 1999, okay, uh, the oil patch had pretty much dried up around here. And a friend of mine, he was in the oil business, and he said, uh, I was working at Walmart DC, and I worked seven or four days a week, Monday through Thursday. He said, hey, I got an opportunity, and he said, we can extend this out to you too, to become a union iron worker. And I said, ooh, that sounds very exotic. So I said, what is that? And if you look up here on the screen, these guys here, they're iron workers walking a beam, and they look like they're, I don't know, what would you, yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> Let me just explain this. Okay, this is electrical gear. This isn't true iron worker gear, but this is the closest that we could get. The iron worker uh, harness that I wore, it was like five times heavier. And then this tool belt that he's got on, it had double pouches, and this isn't a 
ironworker sleever, which is a big pointed crowbar, but there was probably 30 pounds of tools and a 20-pound harness and about 25 pounds of bolts. And it was five degrees out, so we had full coveralls on. And so uh, my buddy told me, he said, we've got some friends that are in the Union down in Kentucky, and he says he can slip us in the back door to work weekends and get double time on union wages, and you don't have to quit your job. And I said, man, that sounds awesome. And he said, they said they would slip us in the back door. And so these things going through my mind, I thought, slip us in the back door? I was thinking, in my mind, I was thinking like how people used to sneak people into a movie theater. You know, they would wait at the exit door and, and, and let them in. So I, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what they, and, and he said, you have to be ready whenever the phone call comes. I said, okay. He said, are you in? I said, yes. So neither one of us knew anything about this. We were supposed to be journeymen iron workers, but they said we could just fake it and they would sneak us in the back door. (laughs) And so I was like, how hard could this be? Let me tell you something. Somebody yelled crazy a while ago it is, I guess, pretty well known that in the construction cra- uh, trade, the iron workers are the crazy of the crazies. Is there any iron workers here today? Oh, I'm sorry there, Mike. <laughs> Point taken, okay? <laughs> These guys, have, they, are, they have to have a lot of nerves, real steady nerves. And yeah, they get a little crazy. So I... A few weeks went by, nothing happened, and all of a sudden, on a Thursday night, I got the call. And they said, we gotta be there tomorrow morning at the Union Hall. And I said, I don't know if I wanna do this. (laughs) And he said, you don't have to quit your job, let's just try it. I said, okay. So we packed up our, you know, our real, real lightweight coveralls and stuff. They They weren't actual, uh, construction type of coveralls. And it was five degrees out. And so we got down there, and uh, I don't know, it was like 10 o'clock at night, we got down there. And um, they said, we got settled, and the next morning we got up early, and they uh, sent us to Procter & Gamble. And it was a construction site over in Missouri. Well, we got over there, and of course we didn't know anything, and we were supposed to know everything, and they loaned us a few tools, just enough to get by, and we got over there, did our urine samples and all that stuff, (laughs) and um, so we were ready to go to work. So we were out on the construction site, and they said, all you guys, don't worry, all you guys are gonna be doing is rattling up. So that's, we were just gonna have an impact wrench and go behind everybody that was putting bolts in, and just rattle up, just tighten up the bolts. I was like, I can do that. Well, we got out there and we did some of that and then pretty soon, here come this, this gang pusher is what they call him. Uh, I guess he was the, the guy in charge of us. So he says, I need one person to go up and connect. And I looked at everybody <laughs> around and he was looking right at me and um, I said, ah, I'm not sure what you mean. 
and he said, what are you doing out here? And this guy, he was like 6'6", and he had a big old hillbilly muscles, and you know, he's, uh, they, his skin was, was so, it was so rough and, and calloused and everything, and you know, my skin is just like really smooth. So, it's like baby smooth. So, he, he said, uh, you're, you, you're going to connect. And I said, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I've never done that before. And he goes, son, what are you doing here? And I said, well, they just told me I was just going to rattle up and it would be pretty easy. He goes, are you stupid? He said, you want to know how hard it is? And I said, yeah. He said, you're going to climb up there. You're going to take the lift up. You're only going to be 100 feet up. And he said, you're going to catch that iron. You're going to line it up, stick a bolt through, put a nut on. He said, now how hard is that? And I said, you make it sound simple. So sure enough, I went up there and did it. And I got to admit, I wasn't too bad. <laughs> I was pretty good. But we had, we, had, we had something real easy. Well, the problem was, if you're 100 feet up in this harness with coveralls and everything, there is one logistical problem, and that is when you have to use the bathroom <laughs> and in a porta potty. So um, I had a little bit of struggles there. You know, but I got through it. So what happened next is we came down, it was break time and everything, and all of a sudden there was a big uproar. And that, I was partnered up with this other guy, and he was like really crazy. He was really, really out there. Um, his hair kind of looked like, you know, uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Um, Gene Wilder? His hair was like that, only bigger, bigger and bushier. And he was like talking to himself all the time. Not just to himself, to two or three other people too. And he was like, I would catch him, he was like yelling at himself and smacking himself in the face, just biting his arm. And um, so he was like really, he was bona fide crazy. But I later figured, I think he's putting it on because he wants everybody to think he's crazy so nobody messes with him. But no, I found out he really is crazy because he threatened to kill me. And so we were down at break. We were on the floor, on the ground. And up about 30 feet up, they needed to set this air conditioning unit. And, I, and it was no little air conditioning unit. This thing weighs tons. And somebody, one of the engineers or somebody had made a mistake and there was supposed to be a whole nother platform that was set up there. And they said, we can go ahead and do it, but we got to get this iron hung and rattled up right now because we got 80 guys waiting. And these guys are making big money an hour and 80 of them waiting. They said, you and you, there's only two room for two people up there. Get up there, connect it up, and rattle up now. And so, and they said, you better not fall behind. And they were looking at me because the crazy guy was experienced. 
So we got up there, and I mean, I was going to town. I was going to town. And all of a sudden, I looked over, and I was pulling ahead of the other guy because he was on one side and I was on the other. And I got done like five minutes before him, and there was like, there must have been 80 or 100 people on the ground beneath us yelling, come on, come on, you're holding this up. And this other guy, he was over there, and the crazy guy, he was getting really mad at me. And I got done about five minutes before him, and I come down, and everybody was screaming and hollering, yay, the worm beat him. That's what they called, they had many nicknames for me, but one of them was the worm. <laughs> and, um, and anyway, the crazy guy, he then comes down, and they're cussing at him and telling him what, asking him what took him so long and everything. And he comes over to me and he says, you better not ever make me look bad again. And so I thought, ooh, man. So anyway, I, uh, I started acting crazy too, talking to myself, you know, talking to other people that weren't there, biting my arm and stuff. So I, I just showed him I could be just as crazy as he was. So... Anyway, but while I was up there up high, and Mark, if you would help me with this one right here. This here railroad beam is kinda about the same width of what I was standing on. And Mark, if you would, go ahead and let's put these anchors in this cross here. Um, bear with us a little bit here. So I was up here on a beam about this width and it was about a hundred feet up, five degrees, had to use the bathroom, couldn't go down. Crazy guy about 10 feet from me, one, and okay, he didn't want to kill me yet. Okay, that was a good thing. I still thought he was a friend of mine. So... I was on this end, he was on that end. Mark, step up there. This is pretty easy, isn't it? <laughs> We're only three or four inches off the ground. <laughs> now, I'm five foot eight and a half. <laughs> I'm a little taller than Mark. So, Mark, are you comfortable on this? So, if we raise this beam up to three feet, would you be comfortable on it? What about 10 feet? That's a little over our head, isn't it? 10 feet, I wouldn't be doing this on it. What about 100 feet? Isn't that weird? How just three and a half, four inches, it's nothing. But the hairier it gets at 10 feet, it makes you very cautious. But at 100 feet, you're terrified. Very interesting. So what I was thinking whenever I was, I, mean, I think a lot about this story. A lot of things play through my mind. You wouldn't know what goes through the mind of your care director, okay? <laughs> Is... You know, um, if, if you would turn with me to Jeremiah 17.7. Just stay right there, Mark. Jeremiah 17.7. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to share with everybody some of the things that's happened to me and how you've worked in my life. Lord, I thank you for this chance to be able to bring your word, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak through my inadequacies, and Lord, that people's hearts would be opened up and would be able to absorb what you have for them today. Please bless us in Jesus' name, amen. Seven, Jeremiah 17, seven, it says, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. I got these little boxes here, and let's start with this. Let's start with this one right here. Let's say that this beam is 100 feet up in the air, and this beam represents, represents life, right? And this box, it says money on it. And if we put our hope, and I clicked this lifeline here off to this box of money, if I clip that on here, and in my life, if my only hope that I have to base everything on is money, I'm not doing very well, am I? This doesn't look very safe, does it? Because this, this lanyard that I have here, this lifeline that I have, this is the only thing that's keeping me from falling down and falling to the ground. So whenever I put all of my hope and faith into money and set it up there, and as that wind blows, the wind was blowing about 30 mile an hour when we were up there. And as that wind blows, what happens, and this has happened to a lot of people before, what happens whenever the money fails? You aren't attached to anything else. You have no solid foundation in your life if all of your hope is in that. And whenever that goes, you go with it, right? Have you ever been up high before? I used to be, kind, and still am kind of a little scared of heights. And I tell you what, there's sometimes in life where you feel like you're a thousand feet in the air and standing on a wire, and you don't know whether you're gonna fall one way or the other. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't have any barriers of who you are or your race or your job or how much money you have. Everybody has problems. If all of your faith and your hope is in your job, and you're in a point in your life where things are starting to get hairy. Let me tell you something, in this day and age, sometimes jobs can come and go. And that's a, and that's a big problem for us men, but, and for everybody, but it, you know, it seems like especially for men, because I am one, but it is for men because that's how we identify ourselves, right? You know, um, Cody, Giacomo, he is a truck driver owner and operator, that's how he identifies himself. But let me tell you something, we are so much more than what we do for a living. That does not necessarily define who we are. That only describes what we're doing for a paycheck at that time being. Very important, but that doesn't define who we are. Uh, whenever Jesus called the disciples and you had, um, you had Andrew and Simon and James and John, what were they? They were fishermen. But what do we know them as? They were disciples of Christ, right? 
So that's what defines them. Being the fishermen, that's what they did for an occupation. That does not define who they are. So I don't want to put all my faith and hope in my job. Here I also have on here teens, and, and, and not just teens, boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, if your only hope is, who you're, is in who you're dating, man, that there can be pretty crazy, especially for teenagers, you know. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt or is any less serious. You know, one of the biggest hurts I've ever had was probably as a sixth grader, you know, as a boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, you know, dumping you. You know, many times. <laughs> what if, what about your house or your car? I'm not preaching about you, hun, okay? What about your house and your car? What if your hope is in your brand new car and that's all you're living for and you pull up in Walmart and somebody rams a shopping cart into it? It can wreck your world, can't it? Now, doesn't mean it's going to make anything any easier if, your hope, if, if you're not, you know, just your hope isn't just in your car and stuff. But that can't be the foundation of our hope and faith. But you know what? I ran with a pretty rough crowd whenever I was young. And I, I worked with a guy who his idol was his truck. And that very thing happened, and somebody smashed into his truck, and it wrecked his world, beat the guy up, he went to jail, the other guy went to the hospital, and lost his job, yada, 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 it just spiraled downhill, right? When all he needed to do was call the insurance company, <laughs> and he would have been working that same day, right? So our hope cannot rely on these things. Now, we can be hopeful. That's not what I'm talking about. We can be hopeful for these things, you know. I hope that I have a job tomorrow, Rob, Pastor Rob. <laughs> but that's not where my hope's foundation is in. My hope's foundation and Mark's hope's foundation and our lifeline is rooted in Christ and what Christ did on the cross. Now, here's the thing. All these things that I've talked about here, and there's, we could, I could keep on naming things. That doesn't mean we have to throw them down. It means we have to be connected to Christ. Our foundation has to be rooted in Christ, and we hold on to these things. Because now, what happens if these go away, we still are hanging on. We're still up here. And yeah, the wind may be blowing and we may be standing on a beam a thousand feet in the air, but we ain't going down. Now, Let's grab this one, Mark. That beam was about four inches wide. <clears throat> this one here, this one's about nine and a half inches wide. <clears throat> Jump up there, Mark. Whoa, man! This one's really solid, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, 
we're about six inches off the ground, right? Eight inches. And I feel really comfortable. If we were 10 feet off the ground, I still wouldn't feel too bad. I could do this. I want to be clipped off here though, right? What if we were 100 feet off the ground, Mark? I'd still be scared. <laughs> but I would feel a whole lot better on this solid, wide beam than I do on this one. They called me Scooter on the job site because people on, that were walking the steel the ones that were inexperienced would go like this and scoot like that, and they were called scooters. <clears throat> it didn't matter how wide the beam was, I was scooting. <laughs> we had some guys there that had been on an iron worker for 30 years, and they said, we've been in New York City at a 60-story building, 80-story building. They said some of the old-time guys were Native American Indians. When they walked the steel, they didn't wear no shoes even. And he said, they didn't wear no belt. And I said, what? He said, no, they didn't clip off, they free walked. And I said, why would they do that? He said, some of those guys, they want to rely on themselves. They don't want no belt, they don't want nothing. Nothing restricting them is what the word he used. And I said, man, that sounds foolish. He said, it is. He said, nobody on this job site is going to be up there free walking. So this, this wide plank, this wide beam is so much more stabler. But I'll tell you what, that wind's still going to blow 30 mile an hour, and it's still five degrees out, and we still got everything coming after us. Sometimes it might be 10 feet off the ground, sometimes it might be 100 feet, sometimes 1,000, but it's a whole lot more comfortable on this one than this one. So what's the deal about having that wide foundation? Well, whenever I got the weight of the world hanging on me and I'm connected to Christ and my hope and faith is in Christ and not of these things, when that wind blows and I have a solid foundation, I can withstand it. I won't even drop these things, right? That can even be our kids. One of these boxes could even say our kids. And my kids can't even be the foundation of my hope. I love them and my wife more than anything on this earth, but they cannot be the foundation of the root of my hope and faith. It has to be in Christ because that's what's going to help me to keep them and to protect them. Now, what I need for, for them is I need them to have on their own harness whenever they get, as they get old enough. They have to have their own harness and they have to be connected to Christ themselves, right? You can't, you know, God doesn't have grandkids. He has kids. They have to have their own faith in Christ. Well, how do you get to be from this narrow beam to this wide beam? Well, to build a good foundation, of course, you got to be rooted in Christ. You have to be saved. 
We're having baptism today. Those folks that are getting baptized today, that's laying a block of foundation, isn't it? What about whenever we attend Sunday school or with a small group or any type of teaching, good teaching like that, that also helps to lay that foundation. Um, any type of fellowship that we do, coming every Sunday that we can be here and hearing the Word of God preached, that's laying the foundation, isn't it? What about just taking care of your family? That's helping to lay that foundation as well. Because, you know, Pete, you can, you can say um, Christ and then your kids, but I think it all meshes together. Christ, your wife, your kids, your job, your home, all of this meshes up together. If I don't go to work, I can't fully serve Lord. You know, if I'm an able-bodied person that I don't have any health problems or anything like that, if, if, I, don't, if, I'm not a, if I don't go to work, I can't fully serve God. Because how am I going to pay any tithes, right? Or how am I going to support my family? I'm not putting them first because I'm not taking care of them. So this all works together, but our hope and faith has to be rooted in Christ first. That's how you lay a good foundation. You know, people talk about Philippians 4.13, about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The thing of it is, people sometimes want to use that scripture so they can get what they want or they can do what they want. But I think it looks a whole, like, a whole lot like this. I think it looks like this. You standing on a solid foundation, rooted in Christ, your hope and faith in Christ, and whenever you do that, you can do anything. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.